Hello, it's Ragnil here. We got ourselves through January and it looks like daylight is returning to Stockholm. However, it's still pretty dark in the north of Norway where today's guest is living. Rakel Nistabak did a live improvisation performance together with one of my sisters some years ago. And I'm very happy to present this episode with excerpts from Rakel's music and to share her musical journey with you. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider checking out my page on Coffee, where you can sign up as a monthly supporter or just offer me a coffee. I've also just put together a playlist on Spotify with music by the guests here. It's simply called The Musician's Journey Podcast. And it's diverse to say the least. But now it's time to listen to the words and music of Rakel Nistabak.
my name is Rakel Nystabak. I'm from uh, Sørfold in Norland, uh, in Norway, quite uh, north. Uh, yeah, so I live here now and I work as a musician and a composer. Uh, and I also run a farm, uh, yeah, alongside the music career. Can you take us back a little bit to how your journey started as a musician? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty standard for my generation of Norwegians. Uh, it's, it started with uh, music education as I was, I think, seven years old or something. So we started playing the piano a little bit and also uh, the cornet as there was a brass band in school. So I yeah, started learning these instruments and uh, reading uh, notes and yeah, standard things. And I think I, well, I really enjoyed it. I, I always enjoyed it very much. I have two older siblings, so uh, they had started playing before me. So I was very, very eager to get started. And um, yeah, so I, I always thought it was very, very much fun. And I really was very interested. And uh, I think also I, well, I understood it quite fast with shapes, shape notes and everything I I understood it quite fast, so I I always found it very encouraging, and I also had very uh, good teachers that would, uh, well, I think they really they understood that I was like more than average interested, so they they kept challenging me all the way. Mm. So I I learned uh, quite a good amount of basic music theory and music knowledge uh, during the. Well, the years, the school years, uh, and then after, uh, yeah, after tenth grade, <laughs> I always yeah. mixed the schools. Yeah, uh, after tenth grade, I started uh, in this music. What was that high school? No. Yeah, I think it's high school. Like when we are sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I went to the music school for three more years, and really, yeah, playing was everything I was interested in in at that time. Uh, so I had started focusing on uh, trumpet and, yeah, played as much as possible. Well, yeah, that's not true. I actually was quite into theatre and drama as well. So, uh, yeah, music and theatre was really my main interests. Yeah, so I did that for three years and then I I auditioned for the music conservatory after that and... I got accepted and then I think I I didn't really consider anything else. It was really, it felt really straightforward. I would go as far as I could in that direction. And then after two years studying trumpet in the music conservatory, I, I got some problems, uh, well, muscular problems, and I, I couldn't play trumpet anymore, so I had to stop. Um, and that was very frustrating and... Yeah, I really didn't know what to do because I had been so focused on that one thing. So I quit conservatory and yeah, for one year I just, I moved back home and worked a little bit with everything and anything. And then after one year I moved back to Tromsø where I had been studying and started working as a freelance, well, mostly as a producer for theater, really. 
So I worked mm. m- more with that, more admin uh, with administration, and yeah, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, I also studied a little bit of music technology. Well, it felt very, uh, yeah, like a coincidence, really, to me. I, I felt I had no direction at all. But when I look back, I think maybe I had more of a uh, concept of what I wanted, even though it wasn't so clear to me at the time. But I, I got tips from like teachers and friends. And so I, I uh, took a course in music technology and thought that was really interesting and working mainly in the studio with recordings and mixing. And uh, really enjoyed that. And yeah, after that, I also worked a little bit as a technician, mainly in theater. But I felt really frustrated to be like cut out of the, the, uh, the artistic the decisions and processes. So I felt very strongly that I I was not happy working as a technician and producer. So I applied for a new bachelor in electronic music with laptop as a main instrument and got accepted and started over again. And yeah, then graduated from Kristiansand with my laptop. <laughs> I really have been, <clears throat> well, alongside and, and since then I have been freelancing as a musician and composer mainly. And you moved back up north. Yes, after I graduated from Kristiansand, I I moved um, back north. I'm from a farm, so so the plan was to take over after my mother and father retired. So yeah. I moved back here, and now I'm trying to do both together with my wife as well. Yes, yeah. When hearing someone's story that spans over many years, and then to just hear them say, "Oh, and then I." couldn't continue with that instrument so I quit and then I found this other thing I mean it's it sounds easier than it really is isn't it it's like when it actually happens was it some kind of existential crisis yes it it absolutely was uh and well now it's quite some years ago and uh, it's it's not feeling complicated anymore but it was a big deal and I, I think anyone who really studied an an instrument or doing something similar to that when when you quite sudden have to stop that's that's a big um well it's a shockwave really to your life because and especially I was like 17 18 years I was so focused and at that time at least for me uh, in one way life is very simple because it's it was only one thing I wanted I just wanted to study and be as good as possible playing my trumpet. That was like, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a very simple uh, plan, kind mm. of. And when you when you go for that, you, well, I think that feels probably different, but but in some way you sacrifice a lot as well because it it takes so much of your time to do that to spend so many hours practicing to yeah well <laughs> as a trumpet player so many silly things like just keeping the skin on your lip perfect at all time it's just so many boring <laughs> things you know yeah. <laughs> and you know well having one beer too much the one night will completely ruin the day after <clears throat> it's not that that's the, the biggest sacrifice of life but but it's really affects every every part of your life and then in in quite short time that just shifted 
as I couldn't play anymore. Uh, and I didn't have any plan B. It was not like, okay, and then just do something else then. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was really hard. I spent quite a lot of uh, time just being depressed, really, trying to, yeah, I don't know what I really did. But I, I was really depressed for the time. And uh, it took, yeah, I think I took, it took quite quite a lot of time to really accept it and to yeah to find the new path in a way mm-hmm. and I think either way I would have ended up I would never have finished what I thought was the aim at that time I would never have uh, well I probably never would have had an orchestra job anyways and I don't think that would have been satisfying for me anyways so probably or maybe I would have ended up making experimental computer music anyway <laughs> yeah well I don't know but I think I think I would sooner or later have been interested in that kind of musician or farmer that wakes up really early <laughs> oh really <laughs> no I so don't. that's a myth <laughs> well for me at least okay <laughs> also at this time in december in the north of norway it's really dark so it uh yeah i need much more sleep now than i do in the middle of the summer <laughs> uh, right yes mm. i spent uh, three years up there myself mm. So one year in Tromsø at the conservatory where you went and it was such an amazing experience I realized I have to continue staying up there for a bit and I went a little further north as well and I stayed for another couple of years and in my humble experience one of the uh, charming aspects of living in the north of Norway is that if there's something I need that can't be ordered online, I might have to travel very, very far in order to fix something or buy something. So it was when I moved up there actually that I decided I need a carbon fiber cello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if anything were to happen, and you know, often in the winter, it just opens up just a tiny bit in the in the side somewhere and it's not a huge operation but I don't glue it myself and so I I really wanted 
like a backup cello. And so when it comes to your music making, can this be a problem in any way? Like sometimes you have to go to Oslo to get something or can you order things online? Well, mostly I could order things online, but uh, well, I have the habit of keeping spares. Yeah, of most things, plugs and cables and yeah, audio interfaces and microphones and yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, within within reason, but yeah, it it's very different living here than living in the middle of Oslo because everything is accessible if you live in a in a city. But here it's not. It could be weeks. So yeah, and when I I go traveling, I always buy some extras. Stock up. Yeah. Yes. How is being a sheep farmer putting? frames around what you can do as a musician i guess you can't just go out on a tour all of a sudden if the opportunity presents itself no that's true uh well uh, i run it together with my wife and i also have uh two parents who are uh, eager to work so i'm very very fortunate in that way that i have they they will cover up for me when i do travel but anyways it's i could easily spend all my time working on the farm so it is like an ongoing project to organize my time and my capacity and to yeah to, to really to choose how I spend my time um, and it obviously it limits the time I can spend on music making and touring and playing but for me it's uh, also very necessary to do something else I really like and enjoy that work. It's very physical and it's very, uh, yeah, like in the summer or in the lambing season, well, it's continuous work and it's very little sleep and it's it's not room for anything else. I think that's what I like with the, with music as well. Like when I'm in a project, it's really absorbing. I, I Yeah, I only focus on one thing. And I, I like that about the farm as well. But when I really go into the some of the seasons, it's really I cannot do anything else. Hmm. But but as I say, it's um, it's an ongoing project to organize myself and organize the time. And also in the in the farming business and with animals, it's always very uh, many things happen that's uh, unforeseen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very unpredictable in some ways. So I need to handle that as well. And I don't feel that I really have got the balance uh, yet. I've been doing this for three three years now, this combination, and I still I need to work on that hmm. issue. Right. It's not perfectly harmonious yet. No, not at all. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but then again, I would. I don't think I would ever be anywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a struggle of some kind at all times I think so. yeah. yeah now i i love living in the city but when i see the images you post on instagram of your sheep in the incredibly beautiful northern norway it doesn't seem like a bad idea to buy a farm up there somewhere and be surrounded by these adorable animals every day is there a dark side to this, though? Well, uh, farming is very... Well, it can easily be romanticized, but yeah. it's hard work and it's a lot of responsibility and it's ongoing. 
the responsibility is, is there all the time and it's ongoing. So it's, yeah, that's, that's tough. And animals as human beings get, they get ill and they have problems and yeah, they get hurt. So all of that is my respons- responsibility and that's not always just fun. So it's hard mm. work and it doesn't pay very well. No. So it's, it's all the other things that makes it worth it kind of. To me, it's really, it feels necessary for me to to have a whole life, kind of. It's probably not for anyone and everyone. What do you mean by a whole life? Um, well, as I said earlier, when I started studying in the conservatory for the first time, it was very, life felt very straightforward because it was only one thing I wanted. And in my experience, uh, life just gets more and more complicated the older you get because <clears throat> you want more things, often simultaneously. I still want to do music, but I also want to um, run a farm and I do want to have a family and I also want to relax and do nothing. And <laughs> mm. So it's, yeah moving back up north and moving to the farm and running the farm it's not like it's not an easy choice it's so many things i could have done that was easier in a way that would be more effortless than this uh but i think i need something to work to like to to have some goals in the horizon kind of I need something that's for the long run. And it feels to me that it's necessary. I need working with music because that's, well, it feels important to me personally. But I wouldn't be satisfied doing only that, I think. And that's the same way with the farm. I don't think I would be happy if I only did that. So it feels like I'm trying to to make up my, yeah, the ultimate life for myself. (laughs) And, well... At the time being, that feels like the only thing I can do. I don't feel like I could compromise too much on that. If that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. And uh, it feels economically more safe to have several ways of making an income. Yes, it is. And, uh, well, absolutely, I experienced that through the pandemic situation. And I still have... Even though the farm doesn't pay very well, like for the amount of work it is, it's still, it's steady. And when the concerts are getting cancelled and yeah, I'm not traveling around playing, Mm -hmm. there's still some kind of uh, stability in a way. Right, yes. People still want to buy butter, is that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think also uh, people got more conscious actually about food and food safety maybe that you want to invest your some of your budget in keeping a a neighbor farmer yeah when you think back at your uh, journey as a musician can you point to a specific moment where you changed direction i mean obviously when you had to change instruments but other than that can you think of a moment where you understood something significant that kind of shaped your idea of what it means to you to be a musician? Hmm. 
That's a good question. Well, I think most of the these moments are somehow connected to changing main instrument and all all of that. But obviously, when I started, when when I had to quit playing trumpet, that was but that was more of a chaos. And then uh, when I first started uh, studying music technology, it was. I, I really didn't have a plan with that. I just, okay, that sounded cool, so I tried. But I think it was kind of defining the moment when I I felt so strongly that I was, I was not happy working around the stage, kind of, like being a producer and technician. Well, I had to admit to myself that I wanted to be a um, performer as well. And and that's also something that I have been considering along the way, because in one way, you could say I'm mainly a composer because I also write music for others and I hardly ever play music that I didn't make myself. Mm. But so I've been, well, revisiting that question every now and then, but it still feels important to me to also be a performer. But I think maybe that was... Uh, that was maybe the most important moment when I, because I, I freelanced as, as a technician and producer for some years, three, four years, maybe. And I thought, well, at some point, I thought I, that I would keep on doing that. That was like, okay, that's my thing. So I think that the decision to start studying again and to to go into music again was maybe the biggest, like, active choice I made along that way and it also felt very important to do to make an active choice because it's so easy to just go go with the flow and if you you're in a like an a, a environment where you will have job offers it's very easy to say yes and then all of a sudden you're in somewhere you never really chose to be you just ended up kind of and I think that was also, for me, very unsatisfying to just end up somewhere. Right. Uh-huh. You wanted to choose where to end up. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very important to me that it had to be something that I really wanted to do. you're in with your music making these days yeah it's the last four or five years i've been working mostly with uh, stage music in some way 
like music for theater or dance performances. Uh, and I'm really happy with that. I, I really love working with theater and I really lo uh, love work working with music in theater and music together with other like uh, visual elements and text and lighting and everything. But then, and I guess this is how it's how it is for many people. That okay, you you dig into something, and then then you want to dig somewhere else. So now it feels important important to focus more on my solo work. So I have this kind of vague project. I I, I never released anything of my music, so that's that's like a main project for me now. And it feels also, to me, it feels important to, to do that work also to define myself over again. I, I feel like that I work for some years and then it's like, okay, what kind of music do you make? And I can't really answer that now. So it feels like I, for myself, I need to do that, some, some redefining. So that's, yeah, that feels important and exciting now. Mm. So if I want to dig a little bit into what you have been describing, what does it really mean practically to make music for theater? Uh, what kind of information are you presented with before you set out to make music to it? Mm -hmm. That's uh, well, it differs, and I think it differs a lot uh, between different projects and different composers as well. I prefer working uh, in collective projects and collective processes so that I will be a part of the artistic team from the beginning of the project or at least early on. Well, sometimes it, it would be more like uh, maybe there's a script and a story and then you have a visual idea and then music comes in quite late. I don't think that's very unusual. Uh, but I haven't worked much like that, and I'm not so interested in that. I like <clears throat> being a part of the when well when the the concept of the performance or the project is made up. I like to be a part of that conversation and also to make music a part of that conversation. Well, right. okay, you choose the concept, but what what? Um, part does music and sound play in that concept what does it mean for me as the composer um, so oftentimes I'm in conversations with the rest of the artistic uh, team for quite a while sometimes I'm also the performer so it could be quite hands on sometimes it's quite improvised like the, the last performance I'm, I made music for was a dance perfor uh, performance. It was uh, one choreographer and dancer, and there was one light designer, and it was me making the music. And that in that process, we just, well, we rehearsed for two and a half months, I think. And I think at least the first month, we were just improvising, really. I don't think we did much... Well, we did some, uh, we, we also discussed a lot, but not, uh, we didn't discuss what we did. Like we were talking about the, the concept and what we wanted to make, but we didn't evaluate our own work and the impro uh, improvisations for uh, several weeks. And that was very, 
I liked that process a lot because it was very freeing for me that I could, I really, it's also people I really liked working with and felt very safe with. So it felt, it felt like I could play anything and I didn't have to worry about whether it, if it was any good or if they would think that I was a genius uh, musician or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I could really genuinely just focus on playing the music and improvising and I could also make my choices over time okay I, I made one improvisation and then we did another and the week later maybe some of the sounds or some of the themes would like they would stick I would ter- return to them yes <clears throat> and so it was more like that like a uh, ongoing improvising and editing in a way just keeping the favorites and lose the rest, really. Yes, I like that too. I appreciate it when uh, I'm free to give it the time it takes. Yeah. And exactly to to save some bits here and there. And then it at some point feels right. Yeah. Oftentimes you don't have the luxury of doing that. But no. when you can, it's, it's, I really like it. Mm. Yeah. Right, uh, now these days I'm watching, um, this is a deviation, but uh, there is a, a series now called the Get Back Sessions about the Beatles when they uh, recorded their last album, Let It Be. And uh, there's just a lot of footage from uh, them in the studio uh, several days and they're just fooling around. And they're just making strange sounds with their voices and their instruments and playing versions of the songs that are not exactly like it turned out in the album. And it's been so nice to just watch this. And then I feel it uh, affects me. So yesterday I had a rehearsal with some people and it's kind of, it's a similar situation. We just decide on some songs that we want to rehearse together and make our own cover versions of them. But I'm the only cellist, so I make my arrangement. And until we actually perform it somewhere, I can basically do what I want. And to watch the Beatles sit, um, world-famous musicians, and they just... Yeah, a lot of it sounds really silly, and they're just playing around with... Yeah, that was very inspiring for me recently to watch cool. that but it takes time of course it's a luxury to be in that situation yeah but i think you can you can find other kinds of material than you can if you have more of a time limit yes i guess now when you work with making music for theaters and uh, different types of work processes you can maybe also detect when you when you're in the audience if this uh, production was made in uh, in the way of putting the music last or if the music was with it in the beginning is that something you can uh, notice well it's uh, something that i'm very conscious about at least well sometimes i think you can you can sense something about how it was made but of of course not always but i think it could uh, if you work in that way that you spend a lot of rehearsal time together, you can get material that's very um, connected to each other and feels like one whole in a way. Mm. 
when when uh, light and music like melts together or movements and music or whatever and it doesn't mean that it has to say the same thing all the time but it feels really connected it feels like it's really yeah that it was really worked together and i i i well often prefer that kind of work i i like to get the sense that people spend a lot of hours together (laughs) do you say you do live electronics or do you say you play a laptop or what's the correct way of uh, saying that oh well i i usually say that i play laptop then i always have to explain it (laughs) Mm. so uh, well live electronics uh, sometimes cuts some explanation time (laughs) right but it's it also it depends sometimes i really just play synths and sometimes i work mostly with the live sampling and yeah so that Mm. also depends quite a lot on the project but i i used to say that i'm a musician and i play laptop describe your uh, creative process when you're making some of your uh, own solo music um well it differs from project to project and i think that's actually something that i've been thinking quite uh, a lot about because i have spend quite a lot of time searching and trying to defining like a method for myself like how do I really work how does it start now I think that that's not really how it works because when every time I start a new project I'm like okay how do I usually do this and then I try to do something that I did before and it never works again it feels like every project has its own its own method in a way so I have to define that over again for for each new project. And some obviously some things are similar, but I think that's also what makes it interesting to me. That the moment I feel that I'm copying some something I did before, it's never interesting for me, and it, it's never interesting to listen to because it feels really like yeah, it feels like repetition. I almost every time I spend a lot of time thinking about the concept, just making like a framework for myself. And that could be tonal or it could be about form or it could, yeah, it could be anything. That's not the same every time. But I I spend a lot of time just defining the project before I I really start. The, The main idea could be musical, like a theme or a melody or it could be rhythmical, or it could be a sample or uh, a bundle of samples that I want to use. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's very different. Oftentimes, 
well, when I'm making music for a performance or for someone else, it's always easier to finish because they need it at the same time. <laughs> yes. Projects I make for myself is just, yeah, I'm I'm terrible at finishing and completing things. Mm. <laughs> really. I heard a quote about painters that you don't finish a painting, you leave it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's in in many cases that's really true. And then if you have a deadline, you have to then you know when you have to leave it. And I think mm-hmm. for me, I need to start making this this limits for myself because it, you could always change anything, but you have to decide. <laughs> yes. I started earlier this year to put on some concerts here at home in the flat, and that was uh nice for me because then I knew that date I will play this piece otherwise I can just practice the same piece forever but when I know that there is a date I will have to actually perform it to someone then my practice change in nature and it's not like I work towards a final product of it but at least there is somewhere to take it for now And then I can take it further at some other point. But uh, to break out of this feeling of there being an endless road with development that I'm just on constantly, that's how it feels like, you know? Mm. As an instrumentalist, I can improve until I die. And (laughs) it's nice to make some some stops on that way. So when it comes to your music making and starting a project, let's say it can start with you wanting to record something somewhere to use as a sample. Yes. And it could also mean that you start by opening a new project in your... Uh, what do, you, do you use Ableton or Logic? Or? Yes, I work in Ableton Live mostly. Me too, although I do... I use maybe uh, half of a percentage of uh, all the things that you're using in that program. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my mastering consists of putting a limiter on the master track. That's my... <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> so you open a new project and you name it something and then you maybe put a sample in there and then like that's how it can start? Yeah, it can start uh, like that. But I find that if I just start a new live project without a plan, I always got lost. get lost. It's better for me to have more of a clear idea before I start. But sometimes that clear idea is just that there's a melody that I want to record. Uh, but it could also be I spend uh, quite a lot of time improvising. So maybe I just, I just uh, plug in some maybe a synth and some effects that I want to use and I start improvising and maybe I have like 15 minutes improvisation and then I start editing and yeah just uh, collecting the things I like about it and throw away the rest and maybe I do several rounds of this with the same or with different instruments just building on the same but uh, yeah that's also something that I for me is important to define when I am improvising and, and like creating and when I'm editing because it, it could you could easily get lost as you say it's well the things you can do in Ableton Live is just uh, yeah it's endless so 
if you just start tweaking, then you could <laughs> care for life just tweaking. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's also something I think is is kind of important that I define for myself. What what am I am I doing now? Am I actually improvising? And then I, I don't care so much about the EQ. But sometimes that's that the part that's a part of the idea. The effects could also be like uh, an important part of the concept. That's that's a different thing. But yeah, if you have a tree and you want to make a table, you just you don't start with this uh, with sanding. No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's good to know that you want to make a table with the tree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But sometimes you try, you you think you are making a table, then it ends up like a chair. And yeah. there's something about I think for me it's also something about about listening to to the idea or to be open open for the idea and for that to take different directions and try to see it from different angles. Like I I have a theme, like a base theme that I made for yeah maybe five years ago, and I still haven't used it. And I think for every new project I start, I try to fit it in. It never fits. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have this drum, uh, this drum patterns that I made that I haven't used yet. It's like, no, it's not this project either. Maybe I will never finish it. Maybe it's just a thing of its own in in the sky. But maybe yeah. someday I will find the right project for it. <laughs> taxes yes i am right and that hasn't been an issue for you <laughs> well <laughs> depends <laughs> what you mean well i i in one way i like doing it because i am then i'm in control then i mm. understand my economy how it works where my money goes um but it's also frustrating to well i <clears throat> i keep track of my working hours so i know approximately how much time i spend working with different things and it's quite frustrating to see how much time is actually like accounting and administration hmm. yeah because i well i would have to do that anyways like uh, regardless of how many hours i spend playing or creating music I will still have to do the the taxes and all that so I don't know maybe it's well it's like it's kind of like a, a goal for the future to have 
to yeah to have someone else do it but uh, for the time being I'm doing it myself right do you because now I, I registered only some months ago as self-employed and uh, so when I make money from a cello lesson I have it in mind that okay I will assume that half of that money is actually mine do you set aside the the money for the state and in, in a, like a separate account or how how do you keep these things in order oh uh, yeah no I don't put them aside uh, like every time I I Uh, get paid for a job but I'm sure that would be a very good idea and honestly I'm uh, I'm kind of messy with this not in the way that I I'm not in control in the end I mean it's I think it's I'm doing it right enough but um, I should have more control and like continuously and I don't have I don't have that I really I'm really bad okay okay (laughs) but Uh, normally, I just try to set aside as much as I can. Yeah. And well, till this time, I have been able to pay my taxes <laughs> in yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. We receive money from somewhere and then we pay, it. but it just feels like money goes round and round unnecessarily often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, my tactic so far is to just make sure I never spend all my money and I, I save so much that I know that when I have to pay something, I can. Yes. But yeah, it doesn't feel like being 100% in control, but it's something I can relax with for the time being. And I'm just amazed that all the things we're supposed to just know and learn ourselves after having been through an education as musicians, then all of a sudden we're supposed to be experts in economy as well. And that's uh, that's been a very, yeah, a little bit of a surprise for me. Yes. Mm. I also find this very frustrating because it's quite, it's quite demanding and it's quite, uh, uh, it's quite difficult to really find out how everything works. I have been calling like the, the, the tax authorities for quite well many many times. Yes, and many times they don't really have an answer. Right, <laughs> it's not. I think also the knowledge and the information is not very accessible. <laughs> no, I remember uh, in Norway, Musicians Union had some information on their website which was supposed to help us filling out these forms and stuff and I found that way too difficult yeah Uh, and that was you know them actually trying to do their best to help us and no uh, that was way too advanced yeah yeah and I I, yeah well I also feel that uh, it can't really be necessary with all that administration it's It's simple if you if you're a musician it's quite simple actually you just yeah you're sending invoices for work that you do and you get yeah. paid for that and then you have well you buy instruments and it's well it's not an uh, advanced economy really it's pretty simple what does it mean to you to be a human being oh I usually ask, what does it mean for you to be a musician? But now I'm testing something new and you're the first in this experiment. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a really big question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to answer that. But, well, I think in one way, uh, I think it's very mental. <laughs> not not like in crazy, but it's it's very much inside my head. <laughs> I spend so much time th- just thinking, thinking huh. about being a human being, thinking about life <laughs> and, yes. and what what are we doing and why and <laughs> and and concerns. I think uh, that's that's a quite a big thing for me. Concerns about, especially about nature and climate. Well, I think about that every every day. Like, how are we going to survive? How is that going to how would the the future work really how would the nature well what happens will nature just strike back or will we manage to like destroy the whole uh globe those kinds of things so. mm, i think that's a really good answer i think all of those things are very human things to be doing can it be a relief to work with animals i mean i know for my sake when I'm at my mom's place and just being with her, she has cats. Mm-hmm. And I find their presence so calming. And uh, even looking at the photos you post of your sheep, I imagine it would be quite therapeutic to be working with animals on a daily basis. Yes, absolutely. For me, it is. It really is. Mm. And it's also... Uh, um, it's soothing to work uh, physical, to use mm. my body physical work and to work with the uh, soil and plants and it's both I think it's well that's well as talking about the being a human being, even though I think it's kind of uh, a, a mental <laughs> experience, it's obviously also very physical and I, I don't think that's um well, I feel that's more of a connected thing. I don't, uh, I don't think I split it that much in a way, no. because working with with my body or exercising or walking in the mountains, it's also very effective on my mind, and I get more uh, more frustrated in my thinking when I don't exercise. Mm-hmm. So I think it works both ways, and and in that way. For me, both uh, doing physical work and being together with animals is a very good and healthy thing for me, though. And also that uh, much of that work is so... Um, well, you, you see the effects of your struggles very directly. Like if you're, uh, you're sowing potatoes and then... Well, it takes some months, but still it's mm. very... It's very con- um, concrete in a way. You get the re- you get some kind of physical result. And that's also satisfying for me. Yeah. Well, I can imagine that. Has your sheep heard your music? <laughs> um, well, I sing a lot when I work. Yes. Uh, but not so much of my own uh, works, no. <laughs> Are you thinking of using, uh, making some uh, field recordings from your sheep to use in your music? Yes, I have done some, and I, I think absolutely I will do more of ah, it. 
Yeah. yeah. They can sound so human sometimes. Yes, they can. They can, yeah. absolutely. And then when, you know, the whole summer they are out grazing, mm. then they wear, the grown-up sheep, they wear uh, bells. Mm. That's also a very beautiful sound when you hear them from a distance. Yeah. Ah, beautiful images in my city mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Now, would you like to say where we can listen to your music? Uh, yes. Well, I have a, a SoundCloud account. So there's some, some music there. And then hopefully I will uh, release something more in not too distant future. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. If you want to see what Drakel is up to with her music, or if you want to see photos and videos of her sheep on Instagram, you can find some links in the show notes. You can also find this podcast on Instagram, and the new episode is coming every other week. If you listened to the advent calendar on December 10th and felt curious to hear more from Arne Gudjonsson, he'll be featured in the next episode together with Natalia Soshenko. So tune in then for some lovely dream pop psychedelic rock vibes. <laughs>